Hi, this is Jenna. And this is Kelly. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is One Desperate Act from Murder. This story happened to a gal that was living close to here, so Berthoud, which is another town in northern Colorado. And I remember hearing about this. What, say what? Did you say Bertha? <laughs> close. Berthoud. Berthoud. Yeah. Berthoud. <laughs> Sounds like someone giving birth and it... Thud. It's just Thud. like... Berthoud. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's really pretty town. But yeah. <laughs> So, and I remember hearing about this because it was kind of a manhunt going on right. when it was happening. This was June 2016, so pretty recent. Oh, this is very recent. Yeah. Ashley Doolittle is the girl's name. She had just turned 18 and she graduated from Berthoud High School, which is about 30 minutes south of where I live now. So okay. pretty close. And she had plans to attend Colorado State University in Fort Collins. In the fall, she was going to major in agriculture business, which okay. I'm assuming is like branching. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know you could major. Okay. Especially around here. Yeah. Her life had always revolved around horses. And I'll have to show you bunches of pictures of her. She's so cute. She learned to ride at age five and she belonged to 4-H. She was part of the Boulder County Fair and Rodeo Royalty Program. I like how you kick into the, the accent. The Western <laughs> accent. She had an extremely bright future. She was named the Boulder County Fair Rodeo Lady in Waiting, which apparently is the precursor to... <laughs> sounds so royal. Very. <laughs> she's a lady that just has to wait. Yeah, she's a lady in waiting, which means the next year she would become rodeo queen, which is... a. Big, big deal if you're part of rodeo scene. Okay. Big deal. Children would flock to her at shows and ask for her autograph. So she was like super popular. I know, isn't that cute? She was the Elsa of her time. She was. And there couldn't have been a girl that was more excited and eager about her future, except for one growing concern. Since her junior year in high school, Ashley had been dating a boy named Tanner Flores. What began as a normal relationship eventually turned sour. Which, I mean, you're 17, you know, you got so much ahead of you. Like, it's okay, you don't need to be so serious. Right. Tanner had become controlling and jealous, and he was often searching through Ashley's phone and accused her of seeing other guys. Red flags, like, maybe. Yeah, so many flags. Ow! My dog suddenly wants me to play with her, like, right now. <laughs> She's jealous and controlling. Or he... She's jealous and controlling. Mm -hmm. and talking to other humans. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? Feel for her. I see. Yep. Now. And he started tracking her daily activities and objected to her friendships with her male friends, some that she'd known since early childhood. Bad, Bad news. news. He forbade her from attending college parties before she even attended them because she wasn't even in college yet. What? Dude, I'm not even there yet. Like, give me a chance. For, for, forbade? Yes, he forbade her from going. Please. A little jealous. Even though Ashley was an ambitious and college-bound, Tanner was a high school dropout. I think he got his GED later, but he planned on working at his father's trucking business, but he made a series of bad decisions, which would cause those ambitions to even be. Oh, jeez. I, I could see why he would be like, yeah, I don't want you to go to these college parties because you're going to meet guys. Yeah. Who are worthy of you. Yeah. Right? So after a year of dating Tanner, Ashley got fed up and ended the relationship. 
Good for her. She oh. was trying. Trying. She had, yeah, tried several times and she was too um, kind. And he would be like, oh, please, I'm going to kill myself. You know, please, you have uh, to talk to me. And so then she would be like, okay, Jesus. We love you. I know. The drama. Which goes against everything. <laughs> I know it does. Totally. <laughs> So on June 8th of 2016, he was texting Ashley, who he hoped regretted breaking up with him. For the seventh time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, come on, dude, let her go. He said he wished he hadn't spent so much money on her. So he's, again, trying to make her feel guilty, like it's her fault mm -hmm. that he did that. Mm -hmm. And he was making her feel guilty for ending the relationship. He once again accused her of cheating on him, and he wrote, I'm going to go do something stupid now. Bye. Okay. <laughs> I've been like, up. she can't on him because they, yeah. broke. they yeah. were on a break for those of us who watch Friends. Yeah. And then <laughs> I'm going to go do something stupid. I mean, it kind of sounds like that's just his daily MO anyway, doing something stupid. I, I, it's not, it's, that's hardly a, a, a threat. <laughs> yeah. She should have been like, okay, dude, have fun. So it's just a regular Tuesday night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just basically <laughs> but Ashley was nice and she wrote back I never cheated on you I never did anything with anyone while we were together our relationship has been over for a long time I wanted to be friends but that isn't possible she was trying to be forceful good for her I know so she was doing the right thing they continued to exchange texts and Tanner wrote can we meet tonight please Ashley I won't survive tonight which I just want to slap him like, oh, my God, child. Just I have a feeling that he's not the one that we have to worry about surviving. I just. Right. Yeah. And she wrote back, yes, you will. And that was it. But eventually Tanner was able to convince Ashley to meet him at Lawn Hagler Reservoir south of Loveland the next morning. Which There's okay. several reservoirs around here. There's several lakes all around here, too. So. Oh, good. Water, lots of, you know. <laughs> quiet, lonely places with not a uh -huh. lot of traffic. Yeah. It's a great place to meet. Yep. <sighs> great place red, to go. Yeah. Red flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't meet at reservoirs. Ashley's mom became worried when Ashley didn't return home by 7.30 that evening. She had met him at the reservoir the next day after their texting. Okay. And mom grow, grew worried when Ashley didn't return home by 7.30 that evening because she had gone in the morning to meet him. Oh, my. Yeah, okay. Yeah, she went out looking for her and found her abandoned car at the reservoir. So she actually found the car. So she immediately knew something was wrong. And when she still hadn't returned, she got authorities involved and they started looking for Ashley. And this is the part I remember, like them frantically looking for her. Ashley's mom was aware of, of a bit of the tumultuous relationship that Ashley had been in with Tanner at least to the point that he was still pressing her to be with him. But I don't think she had any idea how severely yeah. obsessed he was with her. I just remember those kind of relationships, that age. They seemed so dramatic. It was life and death. It, it was, was. There was nothing else. It was, oh my gosh, too much. But her mom let the police know about Tanner and the police determined Tanner was also missing. Not bad, sign, bad, bad, bad. Oh, so investigators began interviewing Tanner's friends and they told them that the friends told the police that they had never seen Tanner so depressed. So you can imagine the panic and needing to find the pair. Oh boy. I think this they all kind of felt like he could do something. I, Wait. I'm guessing they weren't afraid that they had like eloped to like Vegas or mm -hmm. something. Yeah. What 
that wasn't the panic? No, I don't believe so. Because oh, I know when interviewing Tanner's father, he told him that his 22 caliber revolver was missing from a locked gun cabinet and that Tanner knew where the key was kept. Not, also not good. Not going anywhere good. No. Nope. And the news of the disappearance of the couple was big at the time and was being reported on all over the state. So cops were on both sides of the mountains. So, you know, we're divided by the Rocky Mountains and and there's the front range with the big cities and then there's the Western Slope with not much, but that's where I used to live. That's the uh, Arizona looking area. Okay. Okay. So a neighbor of Tanner's grandfather's property, which was about five hours away on the other side of the Rocky Mountains. Okay. In Colbrand, which is really close to where I used to live in Grand Junction. The neighbor called the cops after witnessing something out of the ordinary. Back to our story. So the neighbor thought she saw someone who looked like Tanner at Tanner's grandfather's property outside of the house with a white truck parked in the driveway. Tanner has a white truck. She said she saw the male had opened all the doors to the truck and pulled out what looked like a bundled up blanket from the back seat of the truck and set it on the ground. She said she also thought she saw what looked to be an arm sticking out of the bundle. Uh, So he wasn't laundry. He was not there to be. (laughs) He's like, I'm going to grandpa's five hours away to go do some laundry. It's a lot of laundry. (laughs) (laughs) I can take her to go to the laundromat, but I'm just saying, I don't know. Oh, geez. So authorities were able to quickly act and they sent deputies to the deceased father's property where they found Tanner and Ashley's body in the back of his truck. And they took Tanner into custody at at gunpoint and charged him with kidnapping and murder. Oh, and I I remember reading some report that um, they had told like the park wildlife guys about him because they are, are also deputies and they were staking out the place with long range scopes and stuff to watch him taking things in and out of the house and into the truck. So I don't know what he was planning, whether he was going to bury her body on the land, but they got to him first. They got to him first. Oh, that's some good police work at least. Well, I know when questioning Tanner, he initially told police that Ashley had met him at the reservoir, then agreed to get in his truck where they drove to Carter Lake, another lake that's close to the reservoir. Tanner claimed or wasn't good enough. I know. (laughs) I don't know what. Like, okay, let's go talk some more. This isn't scenic enough for this conversation. (laughs) We need to go to a lake. The reservoir is a bit too clean. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So Tanner claimed that Ashley had kept looking in his back seat and then suddenly grabbed the revolver that was sitting in the back seat and pointed it to her own head. He said then he tried to wrestle the gun away from her and when it suddenly fired, hitting Ashley in the head, he felt bad for her because she was suffering, so he shot her a second time to put her out of pain. Worst story ever. You <laughs> know, dude, that doesn't even make sense. But within minutes of his first statement, his story changes. The detective interviewing Tanner had pointed out that he had a hard time believing someone familiar with weapons would handle a gun that way. And I'm not sure if he's referring to Tanner or Ashley. Maybe they were both familiar with guns because who knows, a lot of people around here are. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
a whole lot about his first version just yeah just dumb. yeah <laughs> it's super dumb dude first of all he's the one that's like supposedly suicidal not right. her he's, i'm not gonna get through the night yeah he brought the gun yeah yeah i mean that kind of shows intent there in the first place why are you bringing the gun you're gonna force her to be get back with you yeah you will love me yeah <laughs> You will. If I show you this gun, it'll scare you into loving me. Eventually, Tanner admitted to grabbing the gun himself out of the back seat after Ashley glared at him from the passenger seat. <laughs> How dare you glare at me? I'm grabbing the gun. That bitch. How <laughs> <laughs> dare you? So then at that point, he said he aimed it at the back of her head and fired two shots. But in the back head. I know. So she wasn't. Looking. Yeah. The dude needs meds is all I can think. He's got a very short fuse, man. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she had something in her eye. She was just like. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she hurt his face. There's a lot of maybes here. I feel like he, yeah, he. He's off the rails. Totally. I know. So an autopsy report found three bullets in Ashley's head. The third of which was the fatal shot. I thought he fired twice. Yeah, that's what he said. But the medical examiner determined she would have been able to survive the first two shots <gasps> had he oh. not shot her the third time. So he was obviously purposely trying to kill her. And detectives were quick to note the type of gun Tanner had used was a single shot revolver, which would require him to cock it back between each shot. So there's <laughs> no way for it to like be accidentally like bam, 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 bam. You have to... Right. He couldn't count to three. Like, he just right. goofed. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this one who supposedly knew how to handle guns. Yeah. And it... Yeah, not, like, he would assume cops wouldn't know how, of all people. But, like, it, I don't... He shot her three times, because the first two were wouldn't have killed her? Yeah, I think she wasn't dying. So he was like... He's not even good at it! He's no! He sucks at this! Examinations of both Ashley's and Tanner's cell phones revealed that Tanner had sent a text message from Ashley's phone to his own saying, I am not meeting you today at 4.26 p.m. shortly after the estimated death of Ashley. Tanner then turned off both phones and threw them out the window. Dude, this guy sucks at covering stuff up too. <laughs> I, he's, he's a child basically. I mean, he's still a kid. I, yeah. I'll all right, I'll give him that. This is why we don't think 16-year-olds can be masterminds. Exactly. Oh, my God. So she gave me, like, you know, seven hours prior, but I'll just say that she changed her mind at 4.30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's not all that bright. No. When police spoke with Ashley's mother, Anne, about Ashley's relationship with Tanner, she told them that Tanner was very controlling of her daughter and that when Ashley would get off the phone with him, her entire demeanor would change. She said if there was an argument between the two, she would leave the house immediately and would feel like she had to go fix things. Like she was in a panic mm -hmm. and scared and needed to leave at that moment. Yeah. Ugh. Which is horrible for a girl that age to feel that. In fact, Ashley's family had also developed a safe word to use on the phone in case one of them was ever in a situation where they felt threatened. But Ashley had never used the safe word when she was with Tanner, not even in the days leading 
up to her death. That's a brilliant idea, though. It is a really smart idea. You know, I read like an article or something like that about about doing it, like having a um, having a system with your kids where like, hey, if you're ever in a situation where you're in trouble and you need me to come get you, you're unsafe. You can call me or text me that we'll have like a keyword or whatever that we'll know that you can say and no questions no asked. Questions. Yeah. yeah or where you're at or whatever. And I, I thought I saw that someone had said that and it was like peanut butter cups or something that they had used. Oh. <laughs> and this girl was at a friend's house. Like they were having like a sleepover or something. Okay. And yeah. the dad, guess, was drinking and getting oh, kind God. of out and um, um, physical, like just angry, like not, mm-hmm. and so she didn't feel comfortable or whatever. And so I guess she... I think she texted, I, I can't remember how exactly it went down, but basically she found a way so that her mom either called her or she called her mom or something and then oh just gosh. basically said, you know, hey, before I forget, could you add peanut butter cups to the grocery list or something like that? And the Brilliant. mom just came and because she didn't want to be embarrassed and she didn't want to yeah. embarrass her friend or <sighs> Genius. Yeah. I mean, these parents were smart. They were setting her up for that. Like they could see what was kind of happening and were like, hey, yeah, you know, if you ever feel like you're in danger. Still, it still went too far too fast that they couldn't. God, that's so sad. I know, and yeah, I, I don't think she ever really realized how dangerous he actually was. Yeah, I yeah. If you haven't checked out Thistle lately, and you love Halloween as much as we do, you are missing out. I love the vintage style Devil Mug, especially when paired with the exclusive Thistle Blend coffee. I'm partial to the decor that can go inside or out like the witch in the cauldron sign that says, come in, my pretties. <laughs> yes, so cute. And the pastel handcrafted skulls that I would and totally do display at my house all year round. Oh, yes, for sure. And I feel like I need that zombie horse mask <laughs> to make sure that people are following social distancing rules. I would definitely stay away from anyone wearing that. Absolutely. Well, you can get all the things for 10% off on thistlewellington.com by using code ODFM at checkout. I'll be shopping right after we're done with this story. Tanner was found guilty of first degree murder, felony murder, and second degree kidnapping. His defense tried to say that he wasn't allowed to be charged with the kidnapping because she willingly got into his truck. They were meeting to talk. She didn't right. say she go anywhere with him. Right. And he had the gun in the back of his truck. Who knew, you know, who knows if he made her get in his truck. So he's did it come out where the shooting took place? Like I think at Carter Lake, the lake they were at in his truck. I mean, not that I want this guy to go away for like a really long time, but if she was, if she was already dead, does, is that kidnapping? Good question. Just could be like kidnapping a body. I don't know. What I, I mean, hey, it worked, right? So yeah. I, I, I don't want to. Yeah, right. Anyway, he will spend the rest of his life in prison and plus 32 years with no possibility of parole. So this is like, uh, I mean, you should see the pictures of him. He's like a baby. He's so. Echo from the double yeah. D. So it is living like four months. Yeah. What the hell? Okay. Yeah. And he was killing all sorts of people. Like, I just don't get it. Ashley, as lady in waiting at the rodeo, was posthumously crowned the 2017 Boulder Queen of the rodeo. So that's sweet. Yeah. 
And before she had passed, obviously, she had proposed a princess program for younger girls to complement the existing royalty program because so many little girls loved the rodeo queens, you know, and looked up to them so much. So as of 2017, her suggestion was implemented and each year, two girls are selected in the Ashley Doolittle Princess Program. And they're called Ashley's Princesses. And they each wear shaps bearing that little designation in an Ashley pin with her photo on it. I know, it makes me almost want to cry. Ooh, I know, it's so sweet. Through this honor bestowed on young horsewomen, Ashley Doolittle's memory lives on through their work in the program. Isn't that sweet? It's so cute. And I'll have to share some yeah. of the pictures of the little girls because they're yeah. so proud. Um, and Marie Doolittle has set about trying somehow to salvage hope for others. So Anne-Marie is her mother. Her research on teen dating violence led her to establish the Ashley Doolittle Foundation, an organization designed to present a clear picture of the dangerous underrealized threat in today's culture. ADF, which is short for the Ashley Doolittle Foundation, conducts escalation workshops to teach all the teens what to avoid. Oh, so okay. they include an engaging and emotional film-based discussion, transforming the way students view and discuss relationship violence. The workshops are always free and all costs are covered by money raised through horse shows and other fundraising activities. So they present at local high schools and all that kind of stuff. Wow, they're really doing a lot of good with this. I know. Yeah, and I found some disturbing statistics about teen dating violence. Oh, dear Lord. I know. It was a little surprising because I had no idea it was this bad. But one in three U.S. teens ages 14 to 20 have been victims of dating violence. One in three. Young women in this age group are at least three times greater risk than any other demographic. Annually, 1.5 million high school students nationwide experience physical abuse from a dating partner. Violent behavior often begins between 6th and 12th grades, between ages 12 and 18. Can you believe that? The little babies. Stop it, babies. Stop it, babies. Women ages 16 to 24 experience the highest per capita rate of intimate partner violence. So that's interesting. That age group is more violent than any other. Each year, an estimated 1,200 deaths due to relationship violence occurs. That's more than three per day. Oh my God. As our little PSA today, if you know someone who's facing these circumstances, Please reach out to school staff, parents, or authorities. Don't stay silent. Many schools now have a safe to tell website or hotlines, and you can safely and anonymously report dangerous or violent behavior. So don't let another Ashley happen. God, absolutely. I know. I know. Say something. But I'll have to share pictures of her. She's gorgeous. You can tell she was just radiating. So, you know, one of those so much potential... And this kid is so young. And I'm like, dude, what are you thinking? Why are you throwing all this away over one relationship? Oh. He wasn't. He wasn't thinking. No. Moans and, and, and. Yeah. Yeah. And he probably had some mental disturbance issues going on. And, and it all just, you know. Yeah. So not only. Big, giant. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boiled over. I know. So not only does is her life ruined her parents' lives, so are his parents and everything. So his parents, like it just go. Oh, oh my god, yeah. horrible. Anyway, so that's my depressing story. Oh, <laughs> thanks, Cal. I'm so glad that you brought us all down here today. <laughs> Thank you. 
My sources for this episode were the AshleyDoolittleFoundation.org, TheFencePost.com, The Coloradoan, Westward.com, DenverPost.com, Loveland Reporter Herald, and CBS Denver. Thanks for listening and be sure to check out our Patreon site so you can find out all the different things you can get for subscribing. Or you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast and you can support us um, with a small donation to buy us a cup of coffee or glass of wine or (sighs) some money towards better equipment so we sound less annoying. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. If you have a story you'd like to submit for a future episode, please email it to odfmpodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at odfmpodcast. And check out our website, odfmpodcast.com, for more information on our episodes, your hosts, or general shenanigans.